wait is over. Is over. Because I think the other, the original one actually retired or he died or something. I don't know. I'm okay. not saying that uh, legitimately. I'm just saying I've never heard of the guy who did Lee Brackett mm, and since then. And I typed his name into the search bar. Who? Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. And I just popped it up here. It says, Anthony Michael Hall, Tommy Doyle in the new Halloween Kills. Yep. He has a baseball bat. (laughs) What the fuck is he going to do with that? Yeah, I don't know, um, but ask John Bender's character. Hey, you got a light? Yeah, it's <laughs> strange. He was born in West Roxbury. Now here's a kick. Uh huh. Take a guess. Uh, read that again. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Was born in West Roxbury. Yeah. Take a guess of what state? Massachusetts. Very good. Of course I knew that. His parents are Mercedes Hall. Yeah. An actress, blues and jazz singer. And Larry Hall, who uh-huh. owns an auto body shop (laughs) so his mother is an actress blues and jazz singer yeah his father is an auto body shop mechanic (laughs) and he becomes a movie star actor well how does that work well remember he did start when he was a kid when he was like a teenage I know, but there he's got a Facebook page, a mm. website. Uh, you can find information on IMDb about him and everything. And wow, he has aged a lot. Check on uh, Brad Dourif's. See if he's actually. Um playing uh, Sheriff Lee Brackett again. Because if it's not, I'm going to shit all over these. He's typing, folks. Halloween kills. Huh? Let's see. Halloween franchise star teases another original actor. This is from comicbook.com. Which I have in front of me for the next goodie.
wait a second, what's this? What? Brad Durf confirmed to return for upcoming Chucky TV. Well, I knew that. Okay. But, uh, uh I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It does not say. Okay, try Googling it. Well, Brad Dourif uh, reprised Sheriff Lee Brackett for Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Got him here on HalloweenMovie.Fandom.com. Yeah. Appears Halloween and Halloween 2, and that's it. Uh, but nothing really else about him returning in Halloween Kills, but it has images okay. stating that he's supposed to be there. Okay. But that's only images. I mean, with things being kind of closed from the public eye right now, I don't think many people would notice if he was in it or not at first until they possibly see the trailers. And, I be- and it better be for actual trailers, not fucking teasers. And I've seen a teaser right in front of me. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to figure this out. To be honest, I don't really know. It doesn't really say if he is or isn't. Okay. That's basically a wait and see then. That's a toss-up, I would say. Okay. Anyway, continuing. The returning character, Halloween Kills, should kill off. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but let me read on. In an exclusive interview with Empire, writer Danny McBride teased that the returning characters may try to attack Michael as a group setting. Events in the film bring together a lot of characters who were in the 1978 film who we didn't see last time. They they gathered to try, once and for all, to take down Michael to stop this madman. I really hope they don't turn it into almost like a fucking it. McBride also compared Halloween Kills to 2018's Halloween, saying the first film was about Laurie's isolation, but that the sequel is more about the unraveling of a community into chaos. It's about how fear spreads virally. We all can already figure that one out. With as popular as the Halloween franchise has become, in the last 40 years. Many have been itching 
to find out what is going to happen in the sequel. With two sequels being announced last year, it was clear Michael is going to escape Lori's house. No shit! But the recent teaser for Halloween Kills indicates that firefighters might unintentionally help Michael escape as they contain the flames. Speculation has also run rampant on how the film could end, with many believing Lori could die and make her granddaughter Allison the hero of Halloween Ends. Yes, you heard me right on that one. Let me continue here. Details surrounding the returning characters are still unknown at this time, but this new story information for Halloween Kills indicates that the actors may have more than just cameo roles. Lori ob obviously has had reason to fear and hate Michael Myers, but so do all of these returning characters. Tommy and Lindsay were likely scarred by what happened that Halloween night because of how young they were, and Brackett's daughter, Annie, was murdered at the hands of Michael. Even Nurse Chambers was attacked by Michael, but she was likely but she was lucky enough to survive her encounter. Having these characters all team up to fight Michael could be a satisfying end for some of their story arcs, but Michael's story certainly won't be over in Halloween Kills. Now, the Halloween Ends Theory. Lori's granddaughter will kill Michael Myers. Halloween Ends, releasing in 2022, could be the end for Halloween's primary antagonist. Michael Myers at the hands of Lori's granddaughter, Allison. The ongoing saga between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode has gone on since John Carpenter's 1978 film, Halloween. Halloween Ends is said to be the big finale. But theoretically, Laurie's granddaughter could be in the perfect position to kill the shape for good. I don't know about all that. Due to delays because by the ongoing CV-19 pandemic, which I'm saying in parentheses, Halloween Kills was originally set to, re to be released this past October this year, 2020, but will now release in 2021. Halloween ends has since been pushed back to 2022. 
But when it was announced as part of a trilogy, that began with David Gordon Green and Bloomhouse's 2018 reboot. It was intended to release to be released in 2021. As part of the announcement, it was said that Halloween Ends would be the finale of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode's ongoing conflict, which began canonically in 1978. While there are several different timelines within the Halloween franchise, Many fans of Carpenter's original enjoyed the direction taken by Green, which saw Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, battling PTSD after her first encounter with The Shape. Laurie lived in a hyper-vigilant state where she was convinced that one day Michael would return to Haddonfield. And she'd get the chance to kill him for good. Related to this story, everything we know about Halloween kills. 2018's Halloween saw Lori going toe-to-toe with Michael, with her daughter, Karen, Judy Judy Greer, and granddaughter, Allison, Andy Mackinac, Medichak, sorry if I butchered it, but that's how it's pronounced, or I'm pronouncing it, three generations of strong strode women proved to be enough to capture Michael in the rigged basement, or I should say in the rigged basement, that Lori set up in her secluded home. Once inside, She burned the structure to the ground with him inside while she and her family made it it to safety. However, as referenced by not only Michael's promised return in Halloween Kills, but the first teaser trailer for the sequel, Michael Won't Be Burned Alive. Not only that, But according to reports about Halloween Kills, Michael will be more vicious than ever before. But he wasn't vicious before? What was he before? A kitten? Or a fucking dog? Fans initially thought that either Michael or Lori would die in Halloween 2018. But... As both survived, no duh, and with two movies left to go, how will it all end? Here's an update for the movie Halloween Kills that's coming out next year. Yeah. Brad Dorf, not in the movie. What? Not in the movie. Okay, so who's playing Sheriff Brackett? Sheriff Brackett is being... Let's see. Let me get back up to it. D.C. That's not it. Sheriff Baker. I gotta find it again. 
Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, playing yeah. her character. Judy Gere playing Karen. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, Tommy Doyle. Uh huh. Kyle Richards, female. Of course. Lindsay Wallace. Nick Castle coming back as The Shape. Yep. Uh, Nancy Stevens, Marion Chambers. Dylan Arnold, Cameron E L A M. Stephanie uh, McIntyre, uh-huh. Scarecrow. Sounds like a villain from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Charles. Ciphers, the original Lee Brackett. Yeah. The original one from 1978 is coming back to reclaim his role as Sheriff Lee Brackett. So and uh, so they're basically saying, "Oh, Brador fucked up, fucked it up from Rob Zombie's takes." Either that or Brad Dorf is saying he doesn't want to do it again because he's too old. And he probably just wants to take time off from doing movies. Uh, I can understand that. Yeah, I, I do too, but uh, he's doing Chucky next year. Right, he's doing a TV version because he did confirm that. Yeah, when there's another franchise Chucky for a movie, you know he's going to do it. Mm. I mean, but Don Mancini does pay him well. Yeah, I know. But Charles Cyphers, the original Lee Brickett, which is spelled yeah. L-E-I-G-H, is the original one from 1978. Yeah, I know back. that. And I thought even he with that back then was retarded. Well, he's coming back doing his role again. Anyway, why Allison Nielsen, or Nelson, however you want to freaking pronounce it, will be the one to finally kill Michael Myers? Logistically, or logically, Halloween ends, set, wants to set up an epic final battle between Michael and Laurie. However, it's very likely that one of them will die. While it would be satisfying for Lori to achieve what she set out to do in Halloween 2018 and kill Michael for good, there's an element of tragedy that would come out of Michael finally getting the upper hand on Lori Strode after hunting her, hunting her for so long. He actually killed her before. In a timeline of the Halloween franchise that the 2018 movie erased. As it is intended to be a direct continuation of Carpenter's original movie. Understandably, Fans want to see Laurie emerge the hero. And while it could be interesting to see her daughter Karen defeat the boogeyman, it's likely not what's going to happen. It's likely, it's likely that won't happen. Allison is basically a mirror image 
1978 Laurie Strode. She's sharp, studious, and experienced. The, de the tragic and brutal deaths of her friends. And family at the hands of Michael Myers, just like Lori did. Karen and her mother have had a strained relationship due to the way Lori raised her. It was an environment that seemed more like a doomsday training ground than a normal childhood. Allison got to have the childhood her mother missed out on having. To some extent, but still remained close to Lori. Allison seems to have sympathy and compassion for Lori and beyond that. Always seemed to, to be at least willing to listen to her concerns about Michael's inevitable return where Karen sh shut them down completely. If as was also theorized, Karen dies in Halloween Kills. Then Laurie will likely be devastated going into the third movie. It would be more than understandable for her to make a mistake, overexert herself, or become emotionally compromised to the level where Michael could obtain the upper hand. This puts Allison in a prime position to take him out and avenge both her mother and her grandmother. Not only does it pay to traditional slasher movie tropes with an innocent final girl defeating a seemingly impossible enemy, it brings the story of the Strode family full circle in a bittersweet way that would work for the series. Halloween Ends is a title that suggests Michael's reign of terror could come to a close. Maybe this time he'll stay dead. Halloween Kills, Halloween Kills Theory Laurie Strode's daughter won't survive. Halloween 2018 introduced both Laurie Strode's daughter Karen and granddaughter Allison. But they think the former won't survive Halloween Kills. Halloween 2018. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. We, but we think the former won't survive Halloween Kills. Perhaps it, the biggest dramatic theme running through Halloween 2018 was the importance of family and the idea that family bonds are never beyond repair, even in the most dire circumstances. The drive of Lori, Jamie Lee Curtis, to protect her daughter, Judy Greer, a granddaughter, Andy Ma uh, Matichak, from the return of Michael Myers, is a strong one. And one that's eventually reciprocated. Reciprocated. 
the Strode women proved to be a powerful team against the shape and successfully managed to escape from his assault with all of their lives intact. That's despite several close calls. And the fact that despite supposedly no longer being supernatural, Michael is still seemingly impossible to keep down for good. Of course, even though the Strohs trapped the killer inside Lori's burning house, no one really thought that would be his end. Even before two upcoming sequels were announced. Now, uh, more related to this story, will Halloween Kills, or was Halloween Killed, delayed because of a virus that's going on? Here's what we know. What's somewhat amusing about Halloween 2018's pronounced Family Matters theme is that the sequel slash reboot uh, reconned the plot element that defined all the past sequels. That Laurie Strode was in fact really Michael Myers' sister. Even in that sense, she lost a brother. But in Halloween Kills, she might lose a daughter. Let me take a quick sip here. Ah, Pepsi, gotta love it. Uh, some more Halloween Kills theories. Lori Strode's daughter won't survive. It's revealed in Halloween 2018 that due to the PTSD Lori suffers from as a result of her 1978 encounter with Michael Myers, being her daughter was far from easy for Karen. Lori raised Karen to be a survivalist, fearful that Michael would eventually return. She turned out to be right about that, but not before losing custody of Karen and them spending years estranged. Now that they're back on the same page, it looks like the Strode women would battle Michael together once again in Halloween Kills, but it probably won't last long. Thanks to Lori's longtime close relationship with granddaughter Allison, Karen is sort of the odd woman out, even after their rec reconciliation. This would make her a great dramatic t choice for Michael to kill off, leaving Lori and Allison as a duo sparred onto victory by the death of their daughter's of the daughter slash mother. Michael murdering Karen in Halloween Kills would set the stage for an epic final t final fight. I could just hear the freaking bell right now in, in this corner. As it would represent yet another person, the shape, stole from her life. This time, the one arguably closest to her heart. 
It would also serve as a substantial Easter egg reference to the original Halloween continuity, in which Michael brutally killed Lori's first daughter, Jamie Lloyd. Now, why Dr. Loomis should cameo in Halloween Kills? With Halloween Kills set to feature a flashback scene in the 1978 Rampage, it's the perfect time to have Dr. Loomis make a cameo. With Halloween Kills set to feature a flashback scene to Michael Myers' Rampage, uh, that's said for a second fucking time. Okay. Halloween is one of the horror's longest tenured franchises and is to some the gold standard of the slasher subgenre. Uh, the Halloween name carries with it a storied legacy of films, some great, some good, some shitty, and some just okay. Or, in my words, just, uh, it's just, eh. That's why it bothered so many fans that Halloween 2018 chose to recon every sequel, remake, or spin-off that had come before. Still, it can't be argued that Halloween 2018's reboot, Gambit, didn't work out as critics praised the film and it became a box office, office smash. Bloomhouse and Universal have since greenlit two follow-ups. Of course, the 2020's Halloween Kills, which is now coming out 2021, and Halloween Ends, which comes out uh, 2022. Both are set to hit theaters in October of their respective years. Let's see. And of course, this gives a little damper on that. But, you know, that's been affirmed. But given the virus outbreak massing, causing mass delays in Hollywood, it's becoming unclear whether Halloween Kills will indeed arrive as scheduled. But we already reviewed that. The returning character Halloween Kills should kill off. That aside, it's been teased via set via set photos that Halloween Kills will include a flashback to Michael Myers' original 1978 killing spree in Haddonfield. It remains anyone's guess exactly what the flashback will reveal. But regardless, the sequence needs to recuperate classic Hollywood Character Dr. Loomis. Now, here's uh, about the cameo in Hollywood Kills why it should be Dr. Loomis. The widely held belief that Halloween Kills 
will include a flashback scene traces back to some set photos that appear to show Michael walking down a Haddonfield residential street with a pristine white version of his mascot. Not the weathered version he sports from Halloween 2018. A boy resembling Lonnie Elam or Lonnie Elam or however you want to pronounce that one can also be seen in the photos. This would mean uh, Maddie, can I help you? No! A little help here. He's on my laptop. Dumbass. Sorry, my cat Maddie decided to try to lay on my shit. Oh, let's see. Yeah, where the fuck was I? Okay, here we go. The boy resembling uh, Lonnie Alam can also be seen in the photos. This would mean that we're seeing a different perspective on or portions of Michael's 1978 murders that weren't known in John Carpenter's original film. If that's the case, this sets the table for Dr. Loomis to appear at some point during Halloween Kills flashback scene where he has any direct interaction, whether he has any direct interaction with Michael or not. Obviously, Donald Pleasance is no longer alive. Well, no shit, Sherlock. We all know that. But that doesn't mean the role couldn't be recast with a look-alike and or sound-alike actor with the character not being shown in too much close-up detail to maintain the illusion. Now, good luck with that one. Loomis was the only major Halloween character to not return for the 2018 version. And now that the Quasse reboot was a success, it's time to pay tribute to a man who was instrumental in making the film legendary. Even if we only heard previously recorded lines from Pleasance while seeing Loomis from the back chasing after Michael it would still be a moment that would make Halloween fans grin from ear to ear yeah possibly but good luck trying to find a lookalike who plays Michael Myers in Halloween Kills flashback Halloween Kills features a new performer wearing the iconic Michael Myers mask in flashback scenes to the original 1978 film. Fans are buzzing about who plays Michael Myers in Halloween Kills flashback scenes. 
Set photos from last fall revealed some enticing information on the new film. And the actor playing the iconic role in a very specific iteration of the Shatner mask. When it was announced, the Halloween 2008 uh, would be followed up by not one, but two sequels. Fans were curious how the storyline would play out. Bloomfield's direct follow-up to John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween proved, as we all know, as a huge success upon its release, grossing over $250 million worldwide. Jamie Lee Curtis returned as haunted protagonist Laurie Strode, prepared once more for battle against boogeyman Michael Myers. Along with Curtis, Carpenter returned to supervise and provide the soundtrack for director David Gordon Green's re-envisionist take on the Halloween saga. Much like several of the previous Halloween sequels, the 2018 update had a rather ambiguous ending, which left the door open for additional tricks from Myers. See, also related, Halloween Kills should be, the, should be set the same day as the 2018 reboot. Photos linked to social media last fall from cast members gave some insight into where the next film was headed. Shots of Curtis on a gurney with wounds from a previous chapter led many to believe Green was taking a cue from Halloween 2, 1981 and picking up directly from where they left off. Now, a new face dons Michael's mask in Halloween Kills flashback scenes. The additional leaked films of Haddonfield Memorial, the hospital has served as the main location for the first sequel, also gave a strong indication where part of the narrative might head. Around the same period, behind-the-scenes shots leaked as an actor wearing the original Myers costume. When more photos appeared featuring a child actor wearing similar clothing to Lonnie, Brent LePage, Brent LePage, that's Brent, pay attention people, another character from the 1978 film, rumors of a flashback began to take shape. Bloomhouse has already verified returning actors from the 1978 film. They include Kyle Richards, Lindsay, Charles Cyphers, Lee Brackett, bastard, and Nancy Stevens, Marion. With, of course, Anthony Michael Hall, who is stepping into the role of Tommy, 
Bet you 10 to 1 he's trying to get into some more of the acting scenes because uh, for being in jail so many times, it appears that they are going the extra mile to honor the original classic. Social media has also played a part in revealing some of the more interesting casting decisions in the next film, including a new actor portraying 21-year-old Michael. That makes no sense. Last November, stuntman Aaron Armstrong confirmed on his Instagram account that he would be the newest performer to wear the iconic mask. Armstrong has done... Take a drink of stubble. Armstrong has dozens of television credits to his name and has been a stunt performer in all three John Wick films. Oh, yay. Halloween Kills is scheduled for release on Octo- was scheduled for release on October 16th, 2020, followed by Halloween Ends for October 15th for next year, but we all know that was pushed back. One character Halloween Kills should bring back, but won't. Halloween Kills is bringing back a number of characters we all know from John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. But one in particular isn't set for a comeback. Halloween Kills has fans excited about the return of several original characters, but there is one character they won't be bringing back. The new film, out October 2021, recently had a test screening, prompting more chatter about the movie's plot plot online. When it was announced in 2016 that John, that David Gordon Green was working on a, on a new sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween, fans were skeptical. Talk about another Halloween film had been making the, the rounds ever since ha- Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 was released in 2009. The critical and commercial beating that the film took prompted rights holders, including Tranka's International Films, to reevaluate future follow-ups. A proposed third film in Zombies Remake timeline was planned, but eventually sidelined. More on that. Why Halloween 2 is much gore than John Carpenter's original. Green's film, a direct sequel to the original classic, ignored all the follow-ups in order to bypass the convoluted timeline from previous chapters. This allowed for the inclusion of Jamie Lee Curtis, who Green had to convince to return, as her character was killed off twice in different iterations. The 2018 Halloween pitted Strode against Boogeyman Michael Myers once again, which we all know, but this time with help from her family. Obviously, she can't do it by herself. As in the original, 
the Halloween reboot was set in the in the small town of Haddonfield. Though kept some previous characters who ostensibly made it out alive left out of the drama. However, that changed when it was announced that there will be two follow-ups to the recon versions. Halloween Kills, again, won't be bringing back, back Lori's crush. Halloween Kills, the, f the second film in the proposed trilogy, is bringing back several characters, which we all know, which I've already freaking said, will all be returning to reprise the roles Black, Bracket, Wallace, Chambers, respectively. Another pivotal character returning, which Anthony Michael Hove will be playing, Tommy Doyle. Uh, but I like this one. Tommy Doyle, originally played by Brian A Andrews, has been replaced by former Brat Packer, Anthony Michael Hall. I like that one. One character that they won't be bringing back is Laurie Strode's off-scene crush, Ben Tremor. Tremor, who was apparently crushed by a police car in Halloween 2, 1981, would make an ideal love interest for Strode in the new timeline. Curtis's character has been leaked romantically in the series a few times. In Halloween 4, 1988, Return of Michael Myers, it is suggested that she had a child with Jimmy Lloyd, played by Lance Guest in, H in Halloween 2. In a different timeline created in Halloween H20, 2020, uh, yeah, 2020, 1998, take two shots, I stumbled out on over. Strode is romantically involved with co-worker Will Brennan, Adam Arkin. It was originally rumored that the character of Ben Trammer was going to be brought back in the 2018 reboot, but this didn't happen. No shit. We all know that by now. The available information surrounding Halloween Kills indicates that Trammer will remain a distant high school crush for Strode. For now. The final film to the new trilogy, Halloween Kills, might find a way to bring the character back into flesh and blood reality in some capacity. But until the release of the final film in 2022, fans will have to be satisfied with the return of several other iconic characters from the celebrated original in Halloween Kills. Now here's some more stuff on Halloween Kills. The Halloween Kills could be the most intense movie in the franchise. Halloween Kills star Anthony Michael Hall uh, playing adult Tommy Doyle said the film could be the franchise's 
most intense entry yet. Would that be before or after you smoked the weed? David Gordon Green's reboot, 2018, of John Carpenter's Halloween, 1978, was well-received by fans of the franchise. And its sequel, Halloween Kills, seems like a real contender to be the most intense film in the series to date. Impress me. That's all I gotta tell you, motherfuckers. <laughs> While other Halloween franchises have been done to death, I beg your pardon? <laughs> Chucky can keep going, motherfucker. What? Yeah, he's a plastic doll. With a grown adult voice. Halloween continues to be revitalized in new, unique ways today. There are five distant canons within the different movies. John Carpenter's seal of approval, plus the inclusion of Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode and Nick Castle's return as Michael Myers. He shares the role with James Jude Courtney. Well, that just means Nick Castle's doing stunt, stunt work. Endured the 2018 Halloween to fans before it even hit theaters. Once it did, the numbers spoke for themselves. Halloween raked in an amazing take at the box office for Bloomhouse Productions, which is surprising, grossing $255.5 million on a budget of only $10 million. Hmm. That's fucking good. Shocking. It, almost, it allowed fans of the original movie to experience it in a way that they had never gotten to with Carpenter's original and made Myers a boogeyman for a new generation of horror fans all at once. Well, related, more related, what Halloween Kills flashback could reveal? Halloween Kills first test screening has garnered a largely positive reaction from audiences, which is usually a good sign. Yeah, if people did not like it in a first test screening, that means it's gonna fail. Example, just play reboot. However, other pre-released, other pre-released commentary from cast members, along with some interesting photos that drop hints about what the next installment story could contain make the upcoming film seem better and better again surprise me let's see how Halloween Kills could be most intense in the franchise eh, blah 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 <laughs> okay since we all know by now Anthony Michael Hall is playing the adult Tommy Doyle in Halloween Kills, which received Paul Rudd's blessing 
to, to play the role and has spoken out recently about the upcoming film. On the Phantasm podcast, Hall stated that the film was really intense, which seems to coincide with what some sources reflect from the test screening. The 2018 reboot saw a darker, more brutal Michael Myers than the 1978 version, which could be a reflection of what modern horror audiences expect from a slasher film, but could also speak to the character itself. After being locked away for 40 years, he is bound to have some energy to unleash. James Jude Courtney spoke to the, to the efficiency of his portrayal of Myers, who was depicted going from house to house like his own twisted version of trick-or-treating in the remake. Many have commented on how the 1918 movies was already significantly more gory than the original. But according to Robert Longstreet, what a name, Longstreet. Hey, how long is the street? It might have nothing on what's to come. When the actor spoke to Bloody Flicks, he said, I don't know, I can say anything about Halloween Kills, except it might be the might be the nastiest of all of them. Longstreet, how long is that street? Is playing Lonnie Elam, who was Tommy Doyle's childhood bully. And from what has been shown in set photos for the upcoming film, might have had an unexpected encounter with Myers that wasn't shown in the original film. The flashback sequences to 1978 could also add to the new movie's intensity. Depending on what it contains and if any new material is included from Myers' original massacre, Depending on how much of that sequence is shown, it will likely add additional background to some of the returning characters and add context to many certain characters have returned for the sequel. Other returning characters includes Lindsay Wallace, who is played by her original actress, Kyle Richards. Depending on how Halloween Kills turns out, all of this could lead to some shocking and heartbreaking deaths. Now, I have here the release date, the new release dates for the franchise movies. Uh, Halloween Kills will be October 15th, 2021, next year, and Halloween ends will be October 15th, 
2022, the, the, the following year. And from what I'm seeing on my screen, which Pear Mike uh, sent to me on the second of this month, of this year, Halloween Ends producer comments on possible franchise future. And I'm seeing a Halloween Kills teaser. Back in 2018, Halloween revived the long-dormant franchise of the same name with a film that earned critical and financial success, leading to last year's announcement that the creative team would be developing follow-up films, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Given how ominous both titles are, it sounds as though this could be the end of the franchise, but with fans just as, just as excited about the series more than 40 years after it launched in, two, in 1978, as ever, it's hard to imagine a world where the horror franchise is truly over. Though producer Ryan Freeman admits that the filmmakers have yet to start planning what could come after the 2022 release of Halloween Ends. I have, okay, this is Ryan Freeman's accounts here. I have not thought that far ahead. Freeman shared with comicbook.com about what the future might hold for the series. Right now, we're in the midst of what we see as the director, David Gordon Green, trilogy. And the story, like with the Rob Zombie films, it had these little offshoots. They had done Halloween 3 Season of the Witch way back then. So it's like we're living in the moment of these films that are successful. And we'll see where it goes from there. I hope there is a theoretical experience. The future is still in place. But for right now, yes, it just speaks to me and Malik Akid. Unlike many other long-running franchises, which seemingly operate on a continuous narrative's timeline, the Halloween series has often crafted sequels that ignore the events of their predecessors and create all new narrative canons. The current canon, for example, takes place 40, 40 years after the events of the 1978 Halloween and ignores all sequels. Famously erasing the reveal in 1981's Halloween 2 that Michael Myers is Laurie Strode's brother. With the cul culmination of Green's trilogy of Halloween films, still two years away, we you likely won't have solid updates about what the future holds for the series for quite some time. As we wait for the release of Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, we can revisit 
where the franchise started with the illustrated The Legend of Halloween novelization. The book is described originally premiered in the fall of 1978. Halloween inspired a generation of innovative horror films and a slew of franchise sequels and reboots. The legend of Halloween follows the iconic villain, Michael Myers, as he wrecks ha- havoc of, on his hometown in Haddonfield, Illinois, on Halloween night. Laurie Strode, originally played by Jamie Lee Curtis, falls victim to the escaped killer, but manages to fight for a life and confront her new foe along the way. Through eerie rhymes and quirky illustrations, emulating the unsettling nature of the classic horror, horror journey, Green and Tukel craft a reimagined telling of the beloved source material for longtime fans and newcomers to the franchise. The adaptation was co-written by David Gordon Green, while actor slash director Onar Tukel also serves as a co-writer, with Tokel having illustrated the adaption. Malik Akid and Ryan Freeman, producer and executive producer of the 2018 Halloween and forthcoming sequels, oversaw the project from Further Front Publishing. And let's see. Trying to see, is that it? Yep, that's it. So, I'm going to scroll back here. Hopefully this fucking thing plays. Nope, doesn't play. Sorry. Okay. We got the Halloween franchise movies and stuff out of the way. Um... Honestly, it sounds to me like this 43, 44-year-old franchise movie. Yeah. In my opinion, it sounds like a fucking hiccup movie. I know. Seriously. Because you said that Laurie Strobe died. Yeah, twice. More than once. Yeah. Twice. But yeah, she comes back. That's... And they're planning to kill her off again. That's and again, my... and again, and again, again, and again. That's my problem with... Later on... Movie franchises like this. They want to... Eliminate previous ones because they failed. And the fact to think Laurie Strode, the character, is some fucking badass. Right. When, if you think about it, Michael Myers is the one that's the badass. Right. He doesn't die. I know. I mean, the way I see it, um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, the way I see it, 
Uh, hang on here. I got a bunch of crap I gotta eliminate here. Um, it's just like they don't know what to do. They never they do. Can't, they can't come up with a reliable story for the franchise of Halloween to figure out who the fuck's gonna kill who off. Yeah. Is Laurie Straw gonna kill off Michael Myers? Or is Michael Myers going to kill off Laurie Strove? <laughs> De- it sounds like the movie from the original creator. Yeah. Kind of knew what he was doing, but now these other idiots are like... Doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and trying to like totally destroy... The 78 films version. No, I think what they're trying to do is basically say, uh, the other one's, uh, basically from Halloween 3 all the way up. Let's just ignore. I mean, I wasn't much of a fan for Rob Zombie's two versions of it. But at least he used an imagined fucking Asian. True. I'll give him credit for that. But not putting in those two different versions from Rob Zombie. I'm just saying this 43, 44 almost year old movie from John Carpenter's vision. Yeah. From 78. Yeah. With other idiots keep it going. Laurie Strobe dies off twice but comes back. Trying to kill off Michael Myers. Just like these idiots doesn't know what the fuck to do. Of course not. They're like taking John Carpenter's version and just fucking it up. It's a it's a fucking hiccup movie that should not even be continued. A lot of people say that about Chucky. And I tell them to shut the fuck up because that's actually more inventive. I know. I mean, with Chucky, with Don Mancini, at least he comes up with new different directions. Not only that, he's trying is, to stay within the now. I know, which is fucking awesome. But with the Michael Myers and Halloween, it's like, um, no, let's see, 78 was perfect, Halloween 1 was okay, Halloween 2, yes, Halloween 3 to now is like Hiccup Fuck Central. Oh, I know. We don't know what the fuck to do. Do we kill off Michael Myers or do we kill off Louis Strobe? Are they brother and sister, like 78 version was told? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a fuck up franchise I'm sorry that's how I'm getting it that's my version that's my opinion it's a fuck up franchise god alright my turn yes okay wow where's my cigarette did you already smoke the one in your ashtray uh not while I was talking well there should be one in your ashtray put one in there a while back Unless someone knocked it over. Uh oh. That ain't kosher. Uh. Right now I'm starting to look up. uh... Uh, let's see. Should I do one about David Ayer? If I said his last name right. Uh huh. Or should I do the Charlie Manson one? Do the Charlie Manson one, I guess. Okay. Um. Charlie Manson Murder House. 
This was done October 28th, 2020, a few days before Halloween. Uh, it says, Charlie, Charles Manson Murder House being sold by Ghost Adventure star Zach Baggins. I honestly didn't know that he bought this man's house. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it says, after buying the property himself, Ghost Adventure star Zach Baggins has decided to sell the house where Charles Manson murdered five people. I thought it was more. Yeah. Beggins purchased the infamous Los Angeles home in July of 2019. But it's now reportedly selling the property for a whopping $2.2 million. Whoever wrote the story fucked up on typing it. Because that really didn't make sense. The house was where Charles Manson, an American criminal and cult leader, murdered five people, including Hollywood actor Sharon Tate in 1969. Manson died in 2017 from a cardiac arrest while serving life in prison. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I've se- we've seen that episode. Yeah. And Charles Manson Manor was up the road from the Sharon Tate's house. I still, to this day, really don't see the connection between the Sharon Tate's house and Charles Manson house. To be honest with you. Yeah. I still don't see the connection to this day. At the time of buying the house, Beggins told TMZ that he was drawn to the home's history as a collector of dark culture. Adding that he was also interested because almost everything inside it is original. The property was formerly owned by Leno and Rosemary LaBanca. I don't know. Who were also brutally murdered there just 24 hours after the Valley of the Dolls actor was. Rosemary was stabbed 41 times while her husband was stabbed 12 times. Mm. Mm. Almost almost close to the song for the Lizzie Borden. Yeah. With the 41 times. Began originally purchased a home for $1.98 million for filming production purposes, he told TMZ, but changed course after spending time there. Apparently, he canceled the project out of respect for the LaBranca family and for the other people that were killed there, 
which presumably led to 43-year-old's decision to sell the property. It's a beautiful property, I can tell you that. Yeah. The L.A. home in undefinably, beautifully, so it's a shame its tragic past tarnishes it. Sitting on 1,600 square feet, the property boasts two bedrooms, two baths, a swimming pool, and views of the city, which is very true. Um, let's see, I gotta go down. The pool's very nice, and everything. Got a lot of flower pots. Yeah. That would drive me nuts. It continues lush greenery, including mature fruit trees. Oh, that would drive me even better. More bananas. Frames this 31,000 plus square lot, offering unparalleled privacy. You may never want to leave, but when you do, you are minutes away from Griffith Park Observatory and trails, trending eateries, and entertainment. The large yard features space made for entertaining or relaxation, truly one of its kind. Tours of the property are currently taking place. Seriously? I don't know. Who would want to tour that place? That's nuts. But that's it for that story. Some people do. If you hear that, it's a bunch of morons outside our studio. Unfortunately. Okay. We're going to go to this movie. Which, unfortunately, I don't know why it got ripped to pieces. Because I loved it. I know you loved it. David... Ayers explains how his suicide squad cut was ripped to pieces. This was November 2nd, 2020. Although 2016 Suicide Squad was a commercial success, which was really cool, it didn't fare nearly as well on the critical front. However, following the announcement that Zack Snyder's Justice League, a.k.a. the Snyder Cut, Mm -hmm. is headed to HBO Max, there have been calls for the Ayers Cut of Suicide Squad to be made available to the public as Ayers has confirmed that his original vision for the movie was significantly altered due to studio interference. In my opinion, for something like that, that's not his fault. That's the studio's fuck up. Yeah. Recently, David Ayers was asked what Suicide Squad scene was the toughest to leave on the cutting room floor. To which he responded the first 40 minutes, and he followed that up with another tweet saying, 
how he couldn't emphasize enough that the movie was ripped to pieces. Ayers then explained the why Suicide Squad was so drastically changed with the following. Excuse me, I had an itch in my nose. Now here's a tweet from David Ayers at David Ayers Movies from Twitter. For sure that became a factor, but the reason was BVS got chewed up by the critics and the success of Deadpool. The studio leadership at the time panicked. Then major elements of my cut were ripped out before I could mature the edit. Then John wrote pages I had to reshoot. Underneath it is from a person named Sam at Sam Parker Mental. Just goes to show how influential to the final cut those music trailers were. And that was on October 30th, 2020, that was tweeted. Of course, go figure. The beginning of 2016 was an interesting time for the superhero movie genre. After years spent in development hell, Deadpool finally arrived that February and showed the showed that an R-rated comic book adaptation could be successful both critically and commercially. And while Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice has certainly built a loyal fan base, there's no question that it earned a thrashing from a lot of professional critics during its theoretical run. Words are hard. (laughs) Those two factors led to Warner Brothers and DC leadership deciding to take Suicide Squad in an entirely different direction just months before the movie was supposed to come out. Oh, go figure. Warner Brothers. Communist bastards. So not only was Ayer unable to put the finishing touches on his original edit of Suicide Squad, he later had to shoot new scenes that were written by Jeff Johns, the then-chief creative officer at DC Entertainments. The result was Suicide Squad becoming a more light-hearted and comedic movie rather than the soulful drama that Air wanted to deliver. While sometimes reshoots can end up improving a movie Look at Rogue One, a Star (laughs) Wars story. That's what I have to say to that. That didn't end up being the case with Suicide Squad. 
with the third DC Extended Universe installment ranking at just 26% among profession critics on Rotten Tomatoes. It's also worth mentioning that Jeff Johns would later rewrite portions of Justice League's another DCEU movie that suffered from studio interference and critically underperformed. Yeah, leave it up to the studio to interfere in fucking movies when they're not supposed to. However, with Zack Snyder's original version of Justice League's now headed heading to streaming, there are plenty of DCEU fans camp campaigning. Sorry, they have words in fucking bright yellow that I can barely read. For the air cut of Suicide Squad to be released on HBO Max 2 including David Ayer himself. There hasn't been any official word yet on if that will happen, but Ayer said back in May that his cut would be easy to compete complete. Among the ways that Ayer's cut would stand out from the theoretical Suicide Squad is including... More screen time for Batman and the Joker. Katrina. No, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. Katana. Getting into a fight with the rest of the Suicide Squad. And Diablo. Making it out of the movie Alive. To name a few. Whether or not Suicide Squad's air cut ever sees the light of day, Task Force X time on the big screen isn't over. Next year, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad will come out, although the only characters from the first Suicide Squad movie who are returning are Margaret Robbie as Harley Quinn, uh, Jay Courtney's as Captain Boomerang, which was not in the first part. Vola Davis, Amanda Waller, mm-hmm. of course, she was in the first one. And Joel Kittleman's Rick Flagg, not in the first one. The Suicide Squad will also function as a Standalone sequel, meaning you won't need to have watched 2016 Suicide Squad to follow along with the next chromatic adventure. The Suicide Squad lands in theaters on August 6, 2021. And should there be any official announcements concerning the heirs cut of Suicide Squad... We here at Cineblin will let you know. Keep track of other DC movies on the way with our handy guide. 
they're adding new characters into the Suicide Squad from the 2016 versions that were not in in the 2016 version. I know. You bloody morons. They're just adding new idiots into it that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Now, I think I've mentioned it before about yeah. it. And John Cena's in in the new version of this movie, The Suicide Squad, with a few other goofy named characters in it, like Polka Dot Man, which is not a character. It's not a DC person. And a few other uh, goofy DC character names that are not even in a comic box. I want to go see this movie indefinitely when it yeah. comes out August 6, 2021. And I'm going to give my side on the review of that movie. Seriously. So it better be goddamn good. <laughs> if it's not, and if I see anything that the studios interfered into it, yeah. I'm, ch- I'm going to seriously give it a major thumbs down and cuss him out. Oh my god. Wow. Uh, what do you got over there? Anything else? Or should I keep going? Uh, I'm just... You can keep going. I'm just looking for something right now. Okay. Um... Well, let's take a trip to New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, this is kind of strange because I've been to a lot of movie theaters in my time, and I've never seen a gravesite at a movie theater yeah. in the middle of a parking lot. And it says, most people have no idea why this lone grave sits in a New Jersey parking lot at an AMC Lowe's Theater in New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is creepy enough. History abounds in the Garden State, and we have quite a few historically significant sites in New Jersey. I'm sure you do, you Jersey bastards. Some of our past is less than pleasant, but New Jersey events and innovations have also changed the world for the better. Now it has it. While we were home to the nation's first Native American Reservations established in 1758 in Shamong, Thomas Edison. More than 400 unique creations developed in his Menlo Park Laboratory and several hundred others throughout New Jersey. These are all facts. I think they're fiction. Mm-hmm. But some of our historic sites are surrounded by speculations. <gasps> really? 
You don't say. The popular 18-screen theater opened about a decade ago and has IMAX capabilities. Wow! Something new for the Jersey Dirties. I'm sorry, was I rude on that one? I'm not in it. Atop the brick foundation is a fence. While there is a gate, you can't just stroll in. The platform is about seven feet high. If you get close, you'll see a headstone. Of course, a lot of people in Jersey are still blind. Of course. <laughs> the headstone belongs to Mary Ellis and two of her family members who were also buried in the plot. The movie theater property stands on her former estate. Born in 1750, Mary Ellis died in 1828 the last of her family to be buried here passed away in 1898 eventually the land was sold for years a flea market stood on the property when the property was put back on the market it was purchased by a developer who wanted to keep the gravestone due to its eternal occupant's unique history. Mary Ellis is a local legend. Shocking. Hers is a story of heartbreak. A beautiful maiden. Many men were inarmed with Mary. However, their love was unrequited. I don't even know if that's a word. It is. Mary was seduced by a sea captain who promised to marry her when he returned from his journey. She would stand out every day waiting for her beloved. Oh, it's a romantic story. She looked out at, at the river for years, turning down every proposal that came her way. He never returned, but Mary was buried near the river, perhaps so her seafaring sailor could find her. Obviously not. Sounds like Wayside Inn. (laughs) Longfellows. Yep. Julia, uh, no, not Julia, um... Damn, I can't remember the bitch's name. Oh well. While the sailor may have been lost at sea, he may simply have moved on, started a new life somewhere else. Mary, a distant memory. 
Thanks to the developer who preserved her final resting place, now she will never be forgotten. Other versions of the story may may have Mary moving to this spot along the river just to look out for the sea captain, likely a revolutionary war officer. Should he return? Yeah. Many believe that the hit song, Brandy by a local band, Looking Glass, was inspired by Mary, but while the story stories are similar, this has not been confirmed. That's the speculation they must be talking about. Oh, the girl's name in uh, Longfellow's Wayside Inn, his name's Ferusha. Thank you. Though the story is a bit somber, it's, it isn't spooky. For a few terrifying tales set in Cape Mary, New Jersey. bunch of pictures and everything here goofy stuff <laughs> which doesn't really make sense to the whole story but it was all attached to it huh. and everything which is ridiculous that was just um, adding some uh, stuff you didn't know on every Chucky film we'll uh, do that on the next on the next yeah not uh, the next one that we do probably Wednesday, because you got an appointment tomorrow. Yeah, I actually get to go see a new orthopedic doctor. No, not Rob finally remembers that. Yeah. Okay, good. So hopefully I can get my arm finally surgeried and get it replaced, since these bunch of idiots here makes me jump through hula hoops and I hit brick walls. Uh. But anyways, uh, let's see. We're going to go back to some urban legends, or shall we stop? Uh, I'm going to do some urban legends. Okay. Next one is, oh, my favorite. Love <laughs> Roller Coaster? I got this one. Let's see. was uploaded February 22nd, 2010. Love Roller Coaster. Ah, no picture, you bastards. Is a song by American Funk, that's funk, pay attention, slash R&B band, The Ohio Players. Never heard of them. Originally, Neither have I. Originally featured on their 1975 album, Honey. My, my husband's a deep, uh, used to be a DJ at several places, especially where I used to work bartending. I've and he's never heard of this group. Hell no. A song was a hit upon its initial release, reaching the top of both the R&B and pop charts, and still sees wide airplay on classic funk, 
and R&B stations. Good thing I'm a rock person. The song uses the roller coaster, a common theme park attraction, as a metaphor for the ups and downs of dating and romantic relationships. While the song is known within the music community, more, well, not more, take a drink, I stumbled on one word, for its in dis, distinctive and influential sound within the popular imagination, it remains mo it remains best identified with the persistent urban legend. During an instrumental portion of the song, a high-pitched scream is heard between uh, 2 minutes 30 seconds to 2 minutes 30 seconds and 2 minutes 36 seconds. Uh, the way that's fucking written, it's hard for me to fucking follow. Between two mi two minutes thirty two seconds and two minutes thirty six seconds on the single version, it was Billy Beck. But according to the most common legend, it was the voice of an individual being murdered live while the tape was rolling. The victim's identity varies greatly depending on the version. The supposed sources of the scream have included an individual who was killed at some prior time. Her scream inexplicably recorded and looped into the track. Another version tells of a rabbit being killed outside the studio whose scream was accidentally picked up by the band's recording equipment. Highly implausible, since professional recording studios are soundproof. The most widespread version of the myth, however, tells that Esther Cordette, who appeared nude on the Honey album cover, had been badly burned by the superheated honey used for the photo shoot, which occurred uh, simultaneously with the recording session, and her agonized screams were inadvertently captured on tape. A further variation of Cordette suffering permanent disfigurement due to the burns. She interrupted the band's recording session threatened to sue at which point the band's manager stabbed her to death in the control room both of the latter two scenarios however are impossible as esther cordette is still alive casey Kasem ugh, reported the urban legend of the woman being being killed in the studio recording booth on his radio show, American Top 40, when the song was on the charts in 1976. Jimmy Diamond Williams explains that the scream 
was nothing eerie or disturbing. There is a part in the song where there's a breakdown. It's guitars, and right before the second verse, and Billy Beck does one of those inhaling-type screeches like Minnie Ripperton did to reach her high note, or Mariah Carey, does to go octaves above. The DJ made this crack, and it swept the country. People were asking us, did you kill this girl in the studio? The band took a vow of silence because you sell more records that way. And this was submitted by uh, Jacob from Aluma Mogordo, New Mexico. Huh. That's definitely, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I just went to uh, a site where I can find, like, different things. And I highlighted the name yeah. and the song, and I put it in here. Uh-huh. I, I started listening to it while you were reading the story. Yeah. And it sounds like another group doing the same exact tune. Yeah. Except the Ohio players are uh-huh. African American people. Yeah. And they were on this TV show. That it's kind of like um, almost like MTV, but it was also known as American Bandstand a long time ago, before cable was even produced. And it was with uh, um, Wolfman, and it sounds just like almost like the group I want to say Red Hot Chili Peppers did. Okay. And it's the same exact beat, but this is called Love Roller Coaster. Uh huh. And I think Red Hot Chili Peppers did the same exact song. I don't think so. Let me, let me check. Go on to the next story. Okay. The next is Celebrity Hackler. Submitted. February 22nd, 2010. The setting was a rock concert for the Grand Funk Railroad. After playing for some time, just after a featured guitar solo, someone near the front of the crowd began booing loudly. In other words, if you're being booed loudly by just one person, obviously you kind of suck. In response to the booing, a member of the band came to the front, came to the mic, and said, If you think you can do better, come on up here. Up walks Eric Clapton. If you don't know who Eric Clapton is, look it up. Another variation, a stand-up comic is bombing during his routine when he starts to get hackled by someone in the crowd. The comedian 
goes a couple of rounds with the Hackler, but quickly runs out of material. He says, if you think you can do better, why don't you come up here and try? Up walks Robin Williams. Now that's someone you don't want to fucking challenge. Or ever wanted to challenge when it came to fucking stand-up. Let's see. Where's the next one? Um, okay, this- oh, god, you gotta be shitting me. Poor Richard Gere is the next one. Whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. Updated February 20, 21st, 2010. And it goes as read, Several years ago, they, say Mr. Gear, was admitted into the emergency room of a Los Angeles hospital with a gerbil lodged in his rectum. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read that again, because that sounds so fucking stupid, and I'm going to ad-lib my last version of that one. Several years ago, they, they in quotations means whoever, probably rumors, say Mr. Gear was admitted into the emergency room of a Los Angeles hospital with a gerbil lodged in his ass. Gear was alone when he arrived, some say, or with a partner, the former girlfriend Cindy Crawford, according to others. It took a whole team of surgeons to extract the animal from Gear's ass. Some variants say the gerbil was found to have been shaven and declawed. Others claimed the animal had been placed in a special plastic pouch. And some say the poor creature was Gear's own beloved pet, aptly named Tibet. In any case, when a surgery when the surgery was fully done, the medical team was sworn to secrecy. Unsuccessfully, we must conclude, and Gear went on his merry way, suffering no permanent damage other than to his reputation. <laughs> well, Mr. Gear, what brings you in today? I have a gerbil up my ass. I'm sorry, what was that? I have a gerbil up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh how the fuck did you get a gerbil up your ass seriously I heard in a that, pouch I heard of that shit in fucking college sororities for guys <laughs> uh, more like uh, smooth talking actor Richard oh Gere <laughs> had a gerbil in his ass oh my lord Eddie Murphy in an elevator is our next one. Yes, you heard me right. Eddie Murphy in an elevator. Okay. 
Okay, I, I'm still looking f uh, for this song here on the other t side, but I did look for some research on that story. Yeah. And everything, and then once you finish reading it, I'm going to add my two cents into that. Okay. Okay. This is submitted February 21st, 2010, entitled Eddie Murphy in an Elevator. An older woman took her first trip to Las Vegas last year. Or that year. She had done very well playing the slap machines, winning a bucket full of quarters. Karen needed a break, and she left the casino, heading toward the elevators, taking her bucket with her. How about you cash in the fucking bucket instead of carrying around a bucket of quarters? She steps into the elevator, and before the door shut, for beefy, leather-clad African-American men stepped in. Oh, how about we just say this? Leather-clad black guys step in. Karen, never having spent much time with blacks, clutches her bucket close to her body. A little paranoid, are we, lady? One of the men says, Hit the floor, lady. And she does. Quarters fly everywhere. The men bust up laughing and they help Karen collect her winnings. One of the men explains that he meant for her to select her floor. They help her collect her quarters and the elevator arrives at her floor. She leaves embarrassed and obviously probably had to check herself. And the men are still laughing. I would too. Later that evening, a dozen roses are delivered to her room. There is a hundred dollar bill attached to each rose. The note attached read, Thank you for the best laugh I had in years. Signed, Eddie Murphy. Variations. The celebrity can be either Eddie Murphy, Michael Jordan, or Reggie Jackson. The story takes the story takes place in New York City, Los A Las Vegas, or Atlantic City. Sometimes the man is alone. Other times he has bodyguards. The story has been told where the man has a dog named lady instead of saying hit the floor he says sit lady referring to the dog depending on the very the version of the story the woman finds her hotel her hotel bill taken care of instead of a bouquet of roses doesn't say who submitted it but uh, i go with the first one because I would have loved to see a $100 bill attached to each motherfucking rose. <laughs> Literally. But anyways, to that story. Yeah. Due to the fact that it's here in urban legend. Uh-huh. It's fake. No shit. It's not real. It is not an urban legend. Ow. It is a fake bullshit story. 
This has been circulated around for years. Yeah. It is not real. Eddie Murphy on some talk shows. Yeah. On late nights and daytime shows have been asked about this story. Yeah. And everything. And he says it is false. <laughs> it I is not he true. Know, he would remember someone like that if, yeah. if, that, if it was him. Yeah, it is not true. It is not an urban legend. It is false, fake, everything. Okay. It is bullshit. Oh, I love this one. Fried, not frozen. <laughs> February 21st, 2010. No picture. Yeah, fried and not frozen. And nobody sent it in. Figures. Yay. Fried Not Frozen is the title. Now, rumor has it that Walt Disney was cryogenically, cryogenically frozen just after his death and his body was hidden be- beneath the Pirates of the Caribbean exhibit at Disneyland. Walt Disney, as near as can be determined, was cremated on December 17th, 1966, two days after his death. Disney was known to have been preoccupied with his death, his funeral services were held in secret, and the cause of his demise was never formally announced. And that's it. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm. Uh, I don't know. That might have to be some looking into a lot more. There, I think so. I mean, because there there's are, there a fucking thick. I think there's like something going around, or has been for a long time, that if a man could actually become pregnant and prove it, then the person would own his theme parks. Exactly. And I don't think I've ever heard, seen or heard of a guy actually getting pregnant. No. And that's been going around for many, many decades. No shit. And I'm still waiting to see that shit happen. <laughs> Next is... That was uh, uploaded February 12th, 2010. The Farmer and the Nobleman. Okay. It's... And it's C. His name was Fleming, and he was a poor Scottish farmer. One day, while trying to make a living for his family, he heard a cry for help coming from a nearby dog. He dropped his tools and ran to the dog. Bog. Huh? Bog. Sorry, bog. Take a drink. I fucked up twice. There mired to his waist is Black Muck, was a terrified boy, screaming and struggling to free himself. Farmer Fleming saved the lad from what could have been a slow and terrifying death. The next day, a fancy carriage pulled up to the Scotsman's sparse surroundings. An elegantly dressed nobleman stepped out 
and introduced himself as the father of the boy Farmer Fleming had saved. I want to repay you, said the nobleman. You saved my son's life. No, I can't accept that payment for what I did, the Scottish farmer replied, waving off the offer. At that moment, the owner's own son came to the door of the family hovel. Is that your son? The nobleman asked. Yes, the farmer replied proudly. I'll make you a deal. Let me provide him with the level of education my own son will enjoy. If the lad is anything like his father, he'll no doubt grow to be a man we both will be proud of. And that he did. Farmer Fleming's son attended the very best schools and in time graduated from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London and went on to become known throughout the world as the noted Sir Alexander Fleming, the discoverer of penicillin. Years afterward, the same nobleman's son who was saved from the, from the bog was stricken with pneumonia. What saved his life this time? Penicillin. The name of the nobleman? Lord Randolph Churchill. His son's name? Sir Winston Churchill. Go figure. Je which this was actually submitted by Jenny from Clear Clearfield, Utah. <laughs> Go That's ahead. one way of fucking... Oh, God. Cat next category is children. It's got a penicillin. <laughs> well, let's stop right here, because I'm starting to get famished. I know. I was just saying what the next and, one is. And, yeah, the next one's in the children's, and we'll do the second episode one. 10, I believe. Yes. Second, uh, which, which will start off with The Shadow Man. Yep. Yay! A so, lot of people are liking the urban legends that we're doing. Yeah, I know. Especially when I call some of them that are bullshit and they try to like look <laughs> it up and then they like go on to Facebook and say, Holy shit, how the fuck did you do this? It's How'd you know it was it. bullshit? <laughs> it's called, it's it called <laughs> Research It Assholes. You will be able to tell it's bullshit. Only if you have the right programming into your search engine I'll tell you it's bullshit but obviously you people don't know that <laughs> so that'll do it for everything paranormal podcast show 2021 I'm your host Paramike and in the deep dark dungeon of news desk that she will tell you what she likes and she'll kick in your nuts and twat waffle you for shit she don't like she is the gothic <laughs> I'm Paralore. And that'll do it for episode 9. Saying, keep it paranormal. Good night. <laughs>